The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm here with my co-host, Keith Compagna, and sponsors today are Success Performance Solutions and Jobvite. Uh, Keith uh, just got back from a week, so uh, we missed you last week, Keith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, busy making snowmen in, in Las Vegas for Recruiters uh, Technology Trends and Technology Conference. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's uh, what was the first time it snowed there in eighty I'm, years. Eighty years. Wow, that's 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 kind of amazing. So hey, before we get too far, because I know you and I have a little bit of catching up here to do, um, our guest today, um, with, and is, is Dr. Summer. I'm going to see if I get this right. Solomonson. Um, uh, she is head of content studios at Cornerstone On Demand, and. Um, it's pretty exciting because I was uh, asked to be one of the experts on an expert roundtable, an article that was just released Monday about a topic we haven't gone to yet, which is micro learning. And obviously, continuing, you know, there's, there, I know you, you hear it all the time, I hear it all the time. Everybody talks about learning, you know, learning, mentoring, coaching programs. Um, you know, what's out there, there's still a lot of stand-up, there's a lot of online, uh, and now we have this new term, micro-learning, and, you know, it's so important uh, for workforce development, for companies, and especially for retention. And, you know, you, you, how, how many speakers have we had talk about attracting and retaining millennials? And, um, you know, this is it. So we haven't had anybody on it to, to really address it, so really excited about that. But I, I got to ask you, I mean, her, you know, here's um, you know, Summer's title is head of content studios. I guess when did you ever think that there would be head of content studios in an HR uh, in the HR industry? <laughs> how how about it, right? Yeah, pretty- I I think it's fantastic, and I think it really shows what's what's kind of going on in HR. I you know, for maybe a few years ago, people HR was kind of the butt of a joke, maybe a punchline about their unwillingness or or maybe their their lack of progressive movement, but I kind of get, I'm starting to get the sense that they caught on to it and, and we're starting to bring the human back into human resources. Yeah. And that's, uh, well, and speaking of that, that's actually the topic. Uh, it's becoming a more popular topic. You know, I've been talking about the recruiting and the age of Googleization and got a bunch of events coming up. You and I were talking right before, um, in the next couple of weeks, um, uh, t- talking to the local Lehigh Valley Sherm group. Uh, that's more on predictive analytics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but still within the same t- a theme, but talking at Sherm Talent uh, on uh, a similar topic. But my topic for Sherm National is keeping the H in, in HR yeah. and uh, and more and more focus on that. More and more people are talking about that. And, and when, you know, especially as we, you know, ironically, people say, well, what's what's analytics and recruitment have to do with keeping the H in HR? But uh, as we're, we're going to talk about today with micro learning, we're talking about a lot of artificial intelligence and analytics, 
um, just the online environment and how do we and more automation how do we keep uh, you know how do we keep that human in in, in human resources so um, a good lead there hey you guys have been busy um, you know I think la- you know I, I can't remember if we even talked about this or if it came out right afterwards but mm-hmm. you know huge huge um, inflow of cash coming yes, to, uh, to, to your company job fight yep. uh, and a couple acquisitions so yep. so but you've been you've been in the news How, how's that coming along it's coming along great and you know it's it's wild because as I'm talking to people even in Vegas and or even through my day-to-day activities I mentioned that for a company that's let's say a company looks to get like a series D or series E funding if they were to get 400 million or four forty million dollars that's a lot of money for a company to get for during those uh, those parts in their, their, their fundraising. We were able, we, we teamed up with K1 Investments and received $200 million and we were able to just expand the pipeline. We acquired telemetry, roll point, and Canvas, which gives the Jobvite platform, which now is really, it's wild to see it, Ira, because Last week when I was in the room uh, helping Kevin Grossman from the talent board uh, mediate a couple tables, you know, we talk about all these different aspects of uh, employee development or candidate engagement. And the Jobvite platform, as it turns out, really does touch on all of these points. So it's wild to see now that we have Rollpoint, which is all about, you know, internal mobility. Telemetry makes pretty much every single uh, used candidate experience become that much easier for a company to provide. And then everybody in the world knows that text messaging isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So it's a heck of a lot of fun right now. We're just uh, we're working on putting all the pieces in the right place on the board. It's pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah, there's a lot going on in your table. So yep. yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And and as a as, you know, one of the other speaking opportunities that just came up. Um, you know, you you well, you introduced me to Robbie Goury, uh, mm-hmm. who. Um, you know, was working for Engage Talent, which is a kind of an interest. You know, I, I'm just fascinated by that. A lot of AI, um, but uh, he um, he's uh, working with another group as well, and he just invited uh, me down after our last conversation. Uh, and we're talking uh, because he he loved the topic of VUCA, you know the the VUCA, the volatile, uncertain, yep. complex, and ambiguous, yep. uh, which was my you know which was also the TED talk. So he said that you know what a perfect topic. And sometimes I forget about that. I, I just, right. you know we we start to take this uh, as as normal. Mm-hmm. You know the, the crazy the disrupt. We you and I say and and summer I'm sure takes. Uh, uh, this uh, chaos as as somewhat of a, a normalcy, but uh, you know, in the HR world, who likes steady, stable, consistent, almost status quo, or or small, I guess even small incremental changes, um, it, it's a different world. So they want to talk about the. Um, I'm talking to their sales group of, of how do you operate, um, you know, in a in a VUCA environment. I got to touch base with Robbie. I mean, I thought we, him and I were buddies, and now he all he does is hang out with you. I yeah. thought, you know, I got to find out what's going on there. We always talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, though, there's something to be said about this convergence of technology and and people. It's happening in our daily lives, and it doesn't really shock me that it's really presenting itself more and more in the human resources component of businesses. And it's one of those things that is truly global. There's no company that can't improve their processes or at least have their their results improved upon by getting a little bit out of their comfort zone, allowing the disruption to come in because it's not going anywhere. 
you know, I think you 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 nail it all the time when you talk about your book and and in your in your presentations about this, the the rate of change anymore. I'm kind of curious what's going to happen to those companies out there, big and small, that don't take this seriously enough, and they wake up one morning and they have a very very poor talent pipeline. They don't have much of a secession plan, and that kind of stuff is the, the that's one of those viruses that if you if you get it inside of your organization, it's not going to be easy to recover. Yeah. So, well, you know, Sears was in the news a couple weeks ago. So, you know, here there, there's a company that uh, you know expected to survive forever because they were Sears and they had, you know, brands that are in every home in America or in every vehicle. You know, they had Die Hard and Kenmore, and they still had all these viable brands. And you know, and they're 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 just hanging on. You know, with a shred of life. But you know, you got Blockbuster. Um, you know things will, that you and I grew up with, and and are are gone. I and will they, always yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, they, they should have dominated. I mean, Blockbuster should have been the next Netflix. Yep. Um, Sears should have been the. You know, they had it. I mean, look yep. at their catalog. They they had a catalog. All they had to do was put it online, and they'd be the next Amazon. And the reason why Blockbuster went under, uh, rumor has it, because I wasn't there, but the the reports basically say that the board of directors didn't want to let go of their late fee charges because yeah, oh, they made a decent That's amount. True. And then you look at, I, I always remember the Nokia, there's a picture of the, oh, yeah. his, his name escapes me, but the CEO uh, giving a press conference was with his head in his hands, basically saying we did nothing wrong. Yeah. And he was, he's correct. Well, but same he didn't, thing with Blackberry. Yep. They yep. did nothing right as well <laughs> or they could have done better i guess so so let, let's I, I think we had a good segue there but let's because we're, we're talking about change and shift and and um i've had the good fortune to work with uh cornerstone uh to write for their blog which is rework so i'm very fortunate to do that it's it's a great uh, you know i constantly use the cornerstone uh, on demand uh it's cornerstone on demand.com forward slash rework uh, but I constantly use that as a resource. Um, they have great content. They have some good writers. Internally, they have some really, really good people. Uh, and so we're really fortunate today to talk with uh, Dr. Summer Solomonson. I think I got that right twice. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about microlearning. So I think uh, now's a, a really good time to um, officially bring on Summer. Welcome. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. And yes, you're on a roll, Ira. You have said it correct two times in a row. Let's go for three. <laughs> we still have Googleization to get through the show. Still have Googleization. Yeah. And, and speaking of Googleization, uh, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, this is live today. Um, we've had a couple recordings in the last few weeks just on time schedules. But uh, if there's anybody that wants to call in, we're at 561. 561- Six two three nine four two nine. That's five six one six two three nine four two nine. And Summer, uh, give, you're new to uh, Cornerstone. Uh, I was at the Convergence Conference. So you, Keith and I were talking about that before we got on, which uh, I guess is in June, early June. I don't know when. I'm not sure if it's the same time this year. Uh, which was a fantastic event, but it was great to to put some uh, faces with people. But I I don't know if you were there. If you were there, you might have been there as one of the vendors. Partner. I certainly was. Um, at the time, I was with Grovo, who Cornerstone acquired in November, and Grovo was Cornerstone's content partner of the year in 2018. And I was actually on a panel talking about modern learning of all things. 
and uh, throwing in a little bit of microlearning there. Yeah, so I, I probably did hear you. I just didn't put all the names together because I, I remember attending one of those panels uh, and uh, as of interest. So, uh, you know, this experts roundtable came out on uh, Monday, I believe, and the title of it was uh, anybody can go to the cornerstoneondemand.com rework site. And uh, the topic was four corporate learning professionals discuss today's top L&D content trends. So uh, uh, a lot of uh, industry acronyms in there, (laughs) corporate learning, L&D, which is learning development. I hope hope our listeners understand what that is. Um, I think that got a little uh, heavy on the keyword search, search engine keyword stuff. Uh, But the focus of it really was talking about micro learning. So can you, you know, this is your space. Uh, Keith and I primarily work on getting people into the organization, and and uh, we're, we're starting to talk a lot more about keeping people there. But what's what's micro learning? I mean, is it just a, a you know kind of a new you know a new niche, new buzzword, or you know is it for real? <laughs> it indeed it has become a buzzword. Unfortunately, it is enjoying its a uh, few years in the sun. But as as a learning professional, I will say micro learning is not inherently new. It is a way to describe the way we learn. Uh, our brain learns through taking in concepts, ideas that we then build scaffolds around and make more complex and apply to new and ever increasingly complex scenarios. Right? We all know that we learn this way. So from my perspective, um, during my time at Grovo, I led a team of content creators. And our lens through which we viewed the world was through microlearning. And our premise was microlearning has to be one of three things. First, it is inherently single concept. It means one idea, one thing. And this is the biggest pitfall for HR professionals, for learning professionals, because we love to smush a lot of stuff in a little bit of time. We love to over-architect. We love to say, you sat in that seat for eight hours, and I gave you all this stuff. Therefore, you should be able to do, and you should be able to know. And that's just not how we learn. So microlearning inherently is single concept. It's mixed media, the best of how we learn. I need to get it through auditory factors, through visual factors, reading it, job aids, all of those things. And ultimately, as you were discussing earlier, in the flow of work. And we've heard this phrase a lot. Josh Burson is talking about it. But essentially, I think it's a way to say L&D practitioners catch up with the times. How Learning about does not it, right? happen. Yeah, I mean, preach, right? right? Learning does not happen outside of work. Learning is not a construct. It is not a place you go to learn. We're always learning. Right. So that's, that's my three tenets of microlearning. Fantastic. Now, my question, my curiosity right away, because I'm fascinated by this topic just because of all the evolution that's going on. And did, is, do you think mm-hmm. that this is something that came from the, the business world or do you think it came from just the, the behavior that was coming from the schools and, and the younger generations growing up with this integra- literally integrated learning concepts? You know, that's, that is fascinating. I, I see it as coming from both. Um, L&D as an industry is being called to task, and mm-hmm. we're being forced to make a case for what we do. If we want that seat at the executive table, then we have to align what we do with business objectives all day long. 
it is not enough just to say, we need to provide learning opportunities to our employees right. because that, that doesn't sell. Um, and on the flip side, we are dealing with a highly sophisticated learner audience. They can sniff out uh, subpar content within seven seconds flat. And so we have had to up our game in design and delivery of content that will spur them on to action and change. So how, how you know, obviously it's a, it's a big topic. Um, you know, the, the organizations, as you said, L&D has been talking about it. HR has been talking about it. It's at every conference that I see uh, talks about training and learning. Uh, how, I, I guess on a stage, you know, on a, on a sense of, uh, kind of a life cycle where we're in it in its infancy, or you know, how far along on the maturity scale would you say um, we are? Even conceptually, I'm not. A, we'll get into the technology, but I guess conceptually, or or, or maybe a, maybe the word I'm looking for, maybe it's the adoption. How how far along yep. do you think we really are? Yeah, I think we're kind of right on that brink of moving beyond simple buzzwords. I think early in the microlearning phase, there were a lot of jazz hands, gentlemen, a lot of microlearning, microlearning as a solution rather than a tool. But I think we've navigated that period successfully to uh, start seeing adoption as microlearning content. Hey, this is a way to create content, but it's also a way to think about strategic learning in organizations. If we look at microlearning as truly single concept, then as L&D professionals, we need to say, how am I adopting a microlearning strategy? Have I really filtered out the non-essentials for this learning program? Have I really distilled it down to what is most critical and most relevant for my people? And do I actually know what that is? So I, I see it as kind of a two-part maturity scale. One, the content itself is getting better. Um, I always laugh when people tell me, microlearning videos can't be more than two minutes. And I say, nonsense. Mm. Our editorial manager uh, in content studios always has this fantastic response to that. It's the size of the idea, not the size of the video or the lesson. That is the point. It's on us to architect something that's truly compelling. But for learning professionals, it is a forcing function to say, have I designed the best? Have I really stripped down non-essentials to give my employees what they need? You know, and, and, it's, and it's doing that, a couple things that stood out. One of the, I mean, other than there was a, a phenomenal video, and I guess this was a micro-learning example, example uh, that was the opening um, of the, uh, I guess, the keynote event last year. It was that Navigating the Future Straight Talk from Gen Z if, if you remember yeah. that summer, I use that all the time, especially when I'm talking about millennials. And I don't use it because mm -hmm. the, the audiences I'm talking to aren't always listed, interested in the learning. It's about recruitment. But it's the messaging. It's here's the yeah. next generation. But, you know, that video is a minute and 22 seconds. And it's just packed <laughs> with information. But that, you know, that yeah. was an example. So that was one thing that I walked away from. But the other was... You know, I gave a TED Talk uh, two and a half years ago. I think that's how Keith and I actually kind of met up over over time. And one of the the preparation for that was exhausting, and that's a whole other we can we can have a whole other conversation of whittling it down. But the struggle was, and this comes back to what you says, it's the size of the idea. 
I wanted to yeah. pack. I had 18, up to 18 minutes to talk. And I wanted to pack so much information into that 18 minutes. And mm. I, I got it down to 13. And I, st- you know, and, and the, my coaches and met it, it, with the, during the process were still struggling with it. I mean, they, they said, mm. you got to focus. And what I would do is change the theme. And I go, okay, that didn't work. I'll change something else. I drove them crazy. I, I literally did. <laughs> but it, it, the, the process brought me to my knees. But it helped me think. And when I got done with it, now, as soon as I saw the video, it's like, you know, I could have taken that 13 and had the message in eight. You know, it is. And and I go into every, you know, I'm speaking a lot. And then I did a little online course on Google for jobs. And, you know, I tried to keep each one like under five minutes or so just so for attention span and break it down. That idea of it's the size. It's the size of the idea. It's whittling it down to one It's not even one topic. It's like one part of that topic to teach somebody how to do something is challenging. I mean, I I envy you in in trying to do that. It it really is challenging. And I think that is where we see this kind of rise of the consumer learner, the consumer employee. That's my job to do that. It is not my learner's job to parse meaning from a lesson they're experiencing online. If they have to do that much work, I miss the point. And they're not going to be able to change behaviors or adopt new skills to drive goals. That's the bottom line. Summer, let me let me chime in here a little bit because I, I do this crazy thing where I read books all the time. <laughs> and I, I just finished a book called Talent Wins, and it's written by CEO of McKinsey, Corn Ferry, and another guy who's like the CEO's CEO. I forget his name. And it really emphasizes the value of acting now in terms of your people because they're they're simply your like the companies that act now and develop a process that enables you to develop your people will gain attention amongst peers and amongst colleagues and amongst even competitors in terms of what the company is doing for the personal development and professional development of its employees and it seems like a such a no-brainer uh, but it, it also seems like there's a hard it's a hard nut to crack is it? Am I am I seeing that right? Is it is it one of those things where people, you know, do they? Are you getting a favorable audience right away, or is, are you finding it hard to get people to recognize the role in learning as it relates to retainment mm. and development? Hmm. Well, I I think I'll first respond by saying, gosh, reading books just my favorite pastime. I mean, <laughs> I'm an English major, all right. There's a lot of us that are have moved into tech, which is just wonderful because we love to tell stories, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what content creation is about. It's about compelling storytelling. That's a whole nother soapbox and I'll, I'll put that away for today. But yes, you're absolutely right. I think as a function, learning and development has had this dramatic pendulum swing over the last 10 to 15 years. When I first came into the industry, I was a training administrator. It was top down. Training is what your company tells you you need to do. And now we hear all these, these discussions around learning and building learning cultures and culture of inquiry and all of these concepts that are rooted in learner first. And that is a mindset shift for practitioners. Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's this balancing act of I need to build compelling content or architect compelling programs that will help you do your job better, but not in the sense that I am telling you what to do. I am trying to open a window to catalyze action. 
But all of that is for nothing if I'm not relating that back to business drivers. And that conversation, I think, is one that doesn't happen often enough. Most L&D buyers and L&D practitioners that I talk to are told, we need management training, full stop. There's not a root cause analysis. There's not deep, meaningful discussions. So the search becomes, I need to find the best management training. But there hasn't been a thoughtful analysis about what need that is solving and what behaviors you actually want to change. And that's expected of everyone at the executive table. L&D shouldn't be exempt from that. So, Summer, I'm, I'm looking at a quote here. I, I got it pulled up on my screen. And, I, you know, I, I read this statement a couple of times because it was just loaded with, you know, what you just said and different aspects of it. Um, a quote in, the, in that uh, experts roundtable was, I'm seeing a lot of pressure put on organizations and leaders to source, build, provide, and distribute content mm. in a very upmarket type of way to retain the attention of their employees. And I'd probably go beyond that just to retain employees <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, yeah. they need to, to do that. But <laughs> I mean, but, but I'm not sure many people thought about that. I mean, I, I think the sourcing is like, okay, who provides this? You know, who's out there? You do search yeah. on the internet. We get that. Oh, this looks like a good course. How much does it cost? Let's sign them up or let's hire <laughs> this person to bring him in. But, you know, but the, that, I, I guess the next part of that is the personal one is, is it needed? Is it the right, is it the right content? Then how is it delivered? Mm-hmm. But is that building, providing and distributing, um, you know, yeah. just opens up um, a whole different avenue because, you know, how many organizations have, uh, and this is one of the things and we're going to take a, a short break in just a few minutes here. Uh, but one of the things I want to talk to you about is how does an organization that has uh, millennials, even Gen Z, uh, but we also have baby boomers and maybe even you know some olders Gen Gen X who have learned who have learned to learn or maybe never learned <laughs> to learn, uh, but that they <laughs> that, that they were taught to learn on different platforms. And, yeah. And, and and I think when you come to that distributing the content, it you know uh, it, it's got to be done multi generationally. Right. I I agree. And I also respectfully disagree. I think there's a lot of emphasis placed on generational differences. But there's there's two there's two streams here that I hear in that quote. One, that challenge of building, providing and distributing. It's really about L&D professionals becoming marketers of their own campaigns. We do very little to market the work we do to uh, engender excitement, to catalyze action. That's a huge piece that's missing because we feel like if we tell our employees they have to do it, then somehow they're going to do it. And we, we you know, have this experience of euphoria when they sign the paper that said they sat there for eight hours and did something. That's just not how consumerism works. And we right. need to see learning as that consumer exchange. The second piece with the millennials and, you know, which uh, J.D. Dillon, a, a leader in L&D, always says, millennials are people too, right? Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in that forgotten generation of Gen Xers. No one seems to talk about us. I know, uh, right? And then we got the baby boomers. I know. It's like, come on, where's my day in the <laughs> We're the middle child. <laughs> um, I know, yes. I am always the middle child. Uh, and then, of course, Gen Z coming up um, hot and heavy. But the point is, employees are seeing learning as they see other things, which means the onus is on us to make sure their searching experience, their clicking experience, their uh, curating experience is seamless 
just like everything else. If there are too many barriers to entry, if it is too complex to find the lesson they're supposed to find, if it takes them 20 clicks to get to the first real piece of content, we've lost them. And that's on us mm -hmm. to architect a better experience. And that's, exactly, generations. Yep. and that's exactly what we see out there in the engagement world for, for you know, candidates and, and applicants. You can't, you, there, we've, it feels like we've come to a place where you have to understand that we are serving the individual's needs and those needs are advancing, they're dynamic, they're changing, and we yes. have to put it in front of them so that they have a, almost like a, a relief, like, a, oh, thank goodness this is here. You made my life so much easier. And it, and it, <laughs> and it has an impact. Imagine that. I mean, and that has implications for how we build content, too. It means if we're building in silos or behind closed doors because we are the quote-unquote experts, we've already lost our audience. Mm -hmm. We should be building in feedback loops and doing usability testing. Borrowing from how we build technology to build learning is one of the biggest breakthroughs of this decade. Yep. So you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. We've got uh, Dr. Summer Solomonson, uh, and boy, I got that done three times, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, as our guests, we're talking about learning, the future of learning. Uh, we're talking about micro-learning when we come back. Um, I, I definitely want to get into AI and, and artificial or augmented reality, virtual reality, on some of the other trends that Summer is seeing. Uh, she is the head of Content Studios at Cornerstone On Demand. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break here, hear from our sponsors, Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. Stay right where you are. We will be back in two minutes. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real yellow pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real yellow pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host uh, with my co-host, 
Keith Compagna and our special guest today, Dr. Summer Solomonson. Um, hey, Keith, uh, during the break, we, we were often, the conversation just never stopped. Um, you had uh, something you wanted to ask yeah, or a no, comment we, you wanted to make. Right, right. And and what it really boils down to is that having a guest like Summer on the on the show really helps energize the, the listening audience. And, and, and what I was saying was just how... Energize, how much energy seems to be coming to this transformation within HR because it, and it really does go back to this HR putting the human back in human resources and my comment to Summer and I'm curious to find out what her thought is now that we have airtime here and that is doesn't it feel like it there's actual tangible progress being made with regards to maybe the executives or board of directors paying attention to the human element of, of growing a business and growing revenues? Uh, I love how you just said that, Keith, and I, I think you're spot on. I mean, we've watched this industry change and grow over the last decade plus, um, and I think now I am just delighted to share with people that I meet what I get to do because I'm not the trainer that tells people what to do. I get to be part of that wave of change, mm-hmm. catalyzing new thoughts, new behaviors, um, and I think, I mean, here's the risk of the, the buzzwords, all right, so hold on. But things like digital transformation and business model innovation, boom, those are big ones, but they're real. Mm-hmm. These types of inevitabilities in the marketplace and in companies that we work with and work for demand that we start looking at our people in different ways. They are not just a line item on the, on the spreadsheet. They are our most valuable resources. And as a learning professional, watching people grow, watching people change through highly expertly designed and curated learning experiences, I don't think it gets much better than that. Right. right. So, so Summer, you, you talked, uh, there's a couple things here. You talked initially about storytelling. Um, you know, yeah. how, do you, how do you get the message out there where, you know, training used to be, you know, follow, here's the 10 steps. We're going to teach you how to do these. You do a little role <laughs> play or an exercise. Everybody spends eight hours and then it's supposed to be the expert. Um, but, you know, Keith and I have talked about storytelling um, a lot, uh, especially with even selling the company, even to get the people that work there. Uh, which is which is really a foreign subject, in, you know, to, to think that HR is now becoming storytellers, uh, and and yes. everybody, you know, sort of equates that with fiction. Um, let let's tell the story, boy, is that marketing's job? And now all of a sudden, it's mm. HR's job uh, in that. So I, I love the fact that you did that. But what I really want to make sure that we cover here. Um, you know, in that in that experts roundtable, and also just in some pre work. Um, you know, when we talk about how it's how it's distributed or how, how it's made, I guess, what, you know, what, what are we doing? And if it's not stand up in front of a classroom for eight hours, um, you know, what are you seeing? And there's this is a loaded question, but what are you seeing with video? Um, you know, how is artificial intelligence impacting that? Um, you know, I've got my Oculus uh, and I'm always looking to see what's, what's <laughs> happening in our space there, uh, but with AR and yeah. VR, which of the, you know, I, if you can address all of those in the next 12 minutes, because that's all we've got left. I can do it in eight. <laughs> yeah, deep breaths. Okay, okay. Which one, which ones do you, do you see as the, kind of the most vibrant? Which ones are going to dynamically change this space? Uh, which one are you most excited about? 
Wow. Well, I'll, I'll raise you one, Ira, and I'll do that in eight minutes. Oh. How about that? There's, there's for a micro response. Perfect, because I talked um, <laughs> <laughs> So here's, here's the thing. ARVR is certainly getting a lot of playtime in L&D circles, conferences. Everyone's talking about it. From where I sit, from the very pragmatic side of what we can implement at scale and what uh, drives accessibility for you know, enterprise, small, medium business, and mid-market, we're not there yet. I have seen really powerful use cases of companies using AR and VR to promote uh, better response in dramatic scenarios, to use for training, like in a teaching hospital, teaching hospital situation, before the everyday easy access, you know, low barrier to entry, I'm, I'm not seeing that here yet, but I will say it's the technology like AR and VR that inherently pushes our industry forward, and that's where we need to be going. We've been kind of slow adapters historically to the inevitability of technology, and we've seen that shift in the industry. So 15, 20 years ago when we, when we started getting our first human capital management platforms, they emphasized the admin. Every bell and whistle you want, every report you want, we cared about the admin. And now in the last five, seven years, we're saying, wait a minute, we care more about the UX. We care more about the learner experience. Mm -hmm. So I think technology is a good catalyst for our industry to grow. But honestly, what I am really excited about these days, and this is going to sound kind of like a wah-wah moment, and I'm, I'm building this up, but this is, this is real, I think practitioners are starting to look at video differently. And let me qualify that. So I always liken the way we use video to the way we used to think about PowerPoint in the early 90s, that somehow putting my ideas on a five-bullet slide and boring people to death means I am a meeting rock star, that if I have a PowerPoint, everything is going to go in my way. And as practitioners, we start to see videos this way that if I just put it on a video, then my millennials will love it because somehow videos have a magic power. And it's actually the opposite. We need to be thinking about how to design more compelling videos because as much as we want to think so, putting our CEO's picture on a screen in front of a white screen and talking at us is not compelling to any generation, okay, in the workplace. So I am excited about the ways that we're reimagining video as a training tool in the flow of work. So how can we deliver up compelling video sequences using the best of motion design and animation in order to drive change? How's that? I love it. <laughs> Outstanding. So let, let, let me go back to the, the VR and AR because obviously that's just the next, next level video, um, you know, with yeah. that. Are yep. many. What do you see as the tipping point? I mean, what's it going to take for? Because th th there's no question of being immersed. Um, you know, my first experience and it was about a year ago with with the VR. It was just unbelievable, and I, I actually took videos of these, um, and I can't remember if I have them on YouTube or not. But I've shown them in a couple seminars. Uh, my mother is just turned 95, so she was 94. My father-in-law was just turned 93; he was 92 at the time. Um, 
but I, I put I, the hardest thing about was getting the Oculus to start because, you know, having them use the hand control and flip the on button. Yeah. So I had to figure out they I, they we lost them. You know, I I was yeah. worried they were going to get yeah. sick or disoriented. You know, my mother is on this thing and she doesn't she, she actually does use computers and, and she has a mobile phone. But that's the extent of her technology. She was immersed in this. My father-in-law, who still thinks a a push-button phone is modern technology, uh, <laughs> you know, um, who has nothing remotely in this 21st century, he was lost for an hour. I mean, yes. we took a video of him watching this. So, what's the tipping point to or to to when this, or what's it going to take? Is it is it that the headsets are just too clunky and hard to use? Uh, is it the cost yeah. of, of doing these VR? I mean, what do, what do you think is going to be the tipping point to whether that becomes more common? Yeah, I, I would never deny the compelling nature of the Oculus and the fact that people can truly get immersed in that experience. The the pragmatist in me says, to what end? What is the goal? What, what are we trying to accomplish with that? Most of the learning that I have been a part of over the last 15, 20 years has been about fostering dialogue, fostering teams, mm -hmm. fostering inclusivity. And so the, the immersive nature of the Oculus is compelling. But I would want to know, I think for me, the biggest tipping point will be how are we using that at a broader scale to drive change meaningfully, not in just very specific targeted use cases that rely on kind of adrenaline-based scenarios or things that are more difficult to uh, construct in real life. I would want to see, first, just barrier to entry, access, um, you know, cost, those types of things. But then secondly, some very smart person is going to find a way to interweave that into something that every company is struggling with. And they're going to identify that crystal use case mm -hmm. that we all want to get behind. Good. That's, that's, the, that's the difference. And I'm, I'm going to add to that too, because um, you and I, I had a chance to tell you about this, but with Summer, last year I broke out of my, my comfort zone and I started doing some video blogging and, and we're doing the podcast now and I'm going to that next level, which is doing some writing. And one of the themes I have in mind here is the bandwidth of modern day human resource departments. And I can't help but think that before they can get to that point that you just described, that ha before they could get to that place where they can sit down and validate and investigate and really bring to the board of directors the, 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 the tangible differences that they could bring to the organization, they need to, HR teams need to get things out of their way. And they need to become, you know, it's, it almost seems like it almost seems insurmountable, the amount of tasks and the amount of details that we're going to witness. You know, you mentioned we've, we've been doing this for a little uh, somewhere around a little more than a decade. Um, yeah. Imagine that this next decade, you know, the, the, with the future of work where HR is going to be divided into two groups, the process and the improvement groups. Mm. And it mm -hmm. seems like there's so many things that could fall into that category, but it's, it's certainly good times to be in the industry. You know, I agree with you. And I, I think the hardest part about becoming a long-term strategic partner is when 90% of your job has to be reactive. Mm -hmm. And so much of what L&D and HR are faced with is 
this thing needs to change now. We must do this training now to mitigate this problem and reduce, you know, potential liability and illegal action. So much of what we are faced with are those emergent reactive challenges, and it's really hard to position that into a long-term strategy that drives value over time, mm-hmm. as opposed to my need, or the, the value I bring to this organization is resolving the biggest fire today. That's, that's right. tough. It's a tough right. transition. Yeah, it's got to split. There's going to be some sort of a shift in their plan, so to speak. Right, Ira? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Summer, hey, we we we're, we are kind of coming up toward the end here. We we got about two or three minutes of, of conversation left. Um, kind of the next, I guess, how will AI help make that leap uh, of being that reactive, responsive, maybe more predictive, uh, you know, eventually more predictive? I mean, what what is that where you see kind of the center of the universe? <laughs> absolutely. And I don't think it's too far off. Um, you were joking earlier about, you know, the, the title of head of content studios. I'll tell you, when I started out as a high school English teacher, that is not a title <laughs> I'd ever, I, I thought I'd ever see on my LinkedIn, right? Um, well, there wasn't LinkedIn at the time. but Well, I got mine as this chief Googleization <laughs> officer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is the future. And I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, all the white papers and the guides we read from the big players in the industry. The future is now. And indeed, I think it is now. We are not too far off of harnessing the data we have around learner consumption, learner engagement, um, connected to HR-triggered events when they're hired, when they're fired at the very basic level, but also, hey, you're a sales guy, you missed your quota. Why not have served up in that super slick environment a few micro-learning lessons around negotiating contracts or closing the deal? That is what's next for learning because that is the relevant and compelling response to a learner's need in the moment. And can that's I, where we have to go to drive can, change. We're, we're running out of time. Can I make a quick suggestion? Can, yes. you, can you start doing micro-learning sessions on how to effectively buy software that will make your career path <laughs> that much better? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. You heard it here first, people. Come That's on. Awesome. That's it. Let's do it. Let's do it, everyone. You're going to have to buy it sooner or later. You might as well learn how to do it now. Yeah. So, Summer, awesome. we, we, we've got to, we've literally just got a few minutes here before we close and we, we get the uh, hook. Um, what's a couple one thing is, is it's going to leave us with, you know, what do you see? You know, what's that nugget? What's that 30, 60 seconds of uh, here's what I see, at, you know, through 2019, uh, where we're headed, what's going to happen? I always, I always ask, um, you know, if, if, if we'd love to have you back. Obviously, there's I, I do it literally have six hours of questions uh, <laughs> to go uh, a year from now. We're back. Um, you know what? What's what are we going to be talking about? And then uh, how can people get a hold of you? I want to be talking about a year from now, the uh, the progress my team has made at Cornerstone in bringing content to that consumer learner place, in removing that construct that learning happens because someone tells you to do it or because someone removes you from your job and puts you in a place to do it, but that learning is one step closer to true interconnectedness with the job at hand. And that's what we are driving. Outstanding. So how, how can people get, I mean, how, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Hit me up. Uh, Summer Solomonson, if you can 
spell it. Uh, my main name was Rivers, so that's up there too. You type in Summer Rivers, you'll find me. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, it's Summer CLO Says. Uh, because Solomonson has one too many characters to be my first and last <laughs> name on Twitter. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, and, hit me and, up. And I love a good conversation. Yeah, we're gonna have, and we'll have your information up. Um, we'll have it. Uh, it may not be in the in the podcast version, but I always put it up on the website as well. So we'll have your contact information up there with the link. Uh, and uh, I think Keith, you know it. Uh, the uh, that we're actually are live now on Spotify. Um, so we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, um, Player FM. Um, I think we're on twenty different platforms. So. And, yep. and, that, and the list is growing. So, so uh, and, and Summer, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this has been fantastic. You work for a great organization. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it allowed us to have this opportunity to uh, connect with you. Uh, for the listeners, uh, make sure you go up to cornerstoneondemand.com forward slash rework. Uh, right up there is the article we were talking about, about the Experts Roundtable. Plus, you'll find dozens of other really, really good articles. It's a, it's a great resource for you. Um, just can't thank you enough for being part of us, and we'd love to have you back. Uh, exciting thank topic. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Great show. Thank so, you very much, Summer. So, Keith, any final words, thoughts, comments? No, I, I, I mean, I just love the opportunity to have these conversations. I think that there's something to be said about what's coming down the, the turnpike, so to speak. And it's, it seems like in 2019, Ira, in a year from now, we're going to be talking about how much advancement people have made with the, uh, by bringing on technology and developing their employees. I'll, it's exciting to see what happens. So. I, I sure hope so. And by then we should have that micro learning episode for, uh, for the micro learning. Yeah. All, all lined up for uh, how to buy software. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, so you've been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Our guest today was Dr. Summer Solomonson from Cornerstone on Demand. We were talking all about micro learning. Uh, and that fits in with uh, what we do every week here. We bring you topics and thought leaders discussing a future of work where the tired, the wired and technology converge. Until next Wednesday and every Wednesday after that, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY.com, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and about 20 other platforms. Uh, you can listen to us on demand. Please subscribe. This is your host, Ira Wolf, co-host Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>